With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, I'm Grant Wall. Welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. We're continuing to do two podcasts a week, and we're going to start each episode with the latest on coronavirus news and questions with my wife, Dr. Celine Gounder, who's a medical analyst for CNN and the co-host of the podcast Epidemic, which you should check out. Then we'll have an interview with someone interesting from the soccer world. Today's interview guest is Weston McKenney of the U.S. men's national team and Schalke in Germany. A quick reminder, if you like the podcast, it would really help us out if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review, and we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. Onward! Hey there, we're recording this Monday morning, and I'm here on day 13 of home lockdown in New York with my wife, Dr. Celine Gounder. She's an infectious disease specialist who's a CNN medical analyst and the co-host of the podcast Epidemic, which you should definitely check out with Ron Klain. Thanks for joining me. Sure. Um, New York is now one of the world's epicenters of the coronavirus. Around 5% of the world's known cases are in New York. You work part-time at your hospital here, and you weren't set to go back on service until May but on Sunday, you went in and spent a 13-hour day in the hospital. Why did you do that? Well, as you say, I wasn't scheduled to be back on service until May. And so for people who don't work in the healthcare setting, um, usually people who work in the hospital, uh, especially doctors, don't do continuous work. We do stretches of time um, and then mix it up often with other things that we might do. Um, so I was on service in early February, at which time we had what we call persons under investigation or PUIs. So people we thought might have coronavirus, but as it turns out, did not. Um, but we didn't have any confirmed cases yet. And then I wasn't scheduled to be back in the hospital until May. Um, but as I saw the number of cases increasing, um, staff already getting overwhelmed, um, you know, and I'm right here where I could be helping, um, I felt like I had to pitch in. So 
I'll be I'll be doing some of that between now and, and May when I'm really scheduled to be back on. What did you see in the hospital? Well, um, I, so I covered some 30 patients uh, on Sunday. Um, they aged in range from their late 20s to their late 70s, but the median age was uh, 48. So basically our age. Younger, um, younger than I would expect. Right. Uh, this is definitely not just a disease of the elderly. Uh, some two-thirds of the patients were men, and many were obese, which is of concern because we do have very high rates of obesity in the U.S., more so than many other countries, um, like China, for example, and that bodes poorly for what this could mean for many Americans who are going to be infected. Did your hospital have enough personal protective equipment for healthcare workers? So we've almost completely run out of N95 respirator masks, which are really what would be the appropriate standard um, in a situation like this. Um, we're also running out of surgical masks and face shields. We're running out of gowns. Um, so we're really operating um, with very real scarcity and having to make difficult decisions about how do you stretch what resources you have to last. Um, and at the same time, figuring out how to do this while protecting yourself, but making people feel like they're safe. Um, and that they, they, that everyone will have the equipment that they need when they need it. So what kind of protective equipment did you wear yesterday? Right. So, um, as you know, um, for years now, I just wear scrubs in the hospital along with my white coat. I, I think that that is really um, perhaps something that will change after all of this. I think the idea of wearing suit and tie or your fancy heels in the hospital doesn't make a lot of sense uh, from an infection control perspective, cleanliness perspective, and really just getting the job done. You know, taking care of patients is not a just sitting behind a computer at a desk kind of job. There's a really down and dirty aspect to it. Um, and I think you need to dress accordingly. So, um, you know, I, I was wearing that usual kind of stuff. And then um, on top of that, a disposable gown, gloves, um, a hairnet um, to keep aerosols and droplets from getting into my hair. And then uh, a face shield and a surgical mask. Um which, you know, is less than ideal. And then the face shield um, is really to prevent aerosols and droplets from landing in your eyes and your nose, your mouth, your face. Um, and that's basically, you know, what we're working with right now. So you had me yesterday. I went out for the first time in a week to go to the grocery store and stock up for the week. And you had me wearing a mask. And just what I was doing, having that mask on for a short time, I was almost out of breath and I'm in good shape. Like you had a mask on for 13 hours yesterday. How, how taxing is that to try and do your job and focus while you are dealing with that? Right, right. So, um, you know, and to, and to distinguish again between the two with a um, N95 um, respirator mask versus a surgical mask, um, the N95 masks are, are not easy to breathe through. I mean, it's a really a thick piece of uh, equipment. It's sort of like if you were trying to snorkel for an entire day, breathing through a straw for an entire day. Um, that That's not easy. And then breathing through a surgical mask, well, those are loose fitting. They're not, they're very thin. Um, it's a lot easier to breathe through, but they're not nearly as protective. If listeners out there have their own 
stash of N95 masks? Can they send them somewhere where the, the health healthcare workers can use them? Well, if you do have a stash, what I would suggest is if you know a healthcare worker, if there's somebody in your life who's a nurse or a doctor or really any anybody in the in the health field, reach out to them and ask them how they can make a donation. Um, unfortunately, there's not a centralized website that um, coordinates donations to healthcare facilities. Um, you know, but you could also call your local hospital and say, "Hey, I have some of these. How can I how can I donate them?" Um, and it might just be leaving them at the doorstep outside the emergency room for somebody to come out and pick up. Um, but I, I think that kind of donation um, really is life-saving in this, in this moment. And so it, if anybody can do that, they should. So when you came home last night, I just wanted to make sure you had a good meal, glass of wine. Uh, you're under a ton of stress. You're not sleeping a lot. Obviously, I'm really proud of you and... and I want to say thank you for what you're doing. Um, You know, one thing you told me last night was that basically the entire hospital is now devoted to the virus where you're working. Um, What are you expecting to see if you go back to work at the hospital next weekend? So, I mean, I think it's going to be... I think by next weekend, we're going to have a few more healthcare providers who will have had to call out sick. So we're going to be stretched thinner. Um, I think we are going to see more cases because we're still in the exponential phase of all of this, which means that the curve is is still spiking up. Cases are still increasing. Um, And so I think we're going to have a lot of patients. Um, And I think... I hope not, but I think by next weekend we may be having to make very difficult decisions about who do we transfer to the ICU to be on a, on a ventilator um, and who we don't. And it's it's sort of like what's happening out in the Seattle area in Washington State right now of um, really having to ration those resources for people who we think are most likely to survive this, which generally means people who are younger and healthier at baseline. And having to triage and make decisions about who lives and who dies, that's obviously a huge thing, and that's something that Italy and Spain are going through right now. Yeah, I mean, doctors don't really like having to make those decisions, honestly. Um, we we like to push on ahead and do everything we can for pretty much everybody unless they have indicated, um, you know, that that's not what they want. Um, and so this is just not our normal mindset of of having to make those kinds of decisions. So you went on Dan Lebitard's radio show a couple days ago, and you gave an interview that was sobering for a lot of people. At one point you choked up when he asked you about what you have hope for. And you talked about your doctor friends posting about going into the hospital without enough protective equipment, like soldiers being sent to war without ammunition some of the usual idiots on social media made you sound like you were hysterical. And honestly, I I wanted to grab them by the shoulders and say, no, man, you don't get it. This is the toughest person I've ever known. You volunteered with no pay and flew into an Ebola zone for two months in early 2015. I think I've seen you break down maybe four times in our 25 years together. And that radio show was one of them. You've gone on several sports radio shows uh, like Lebitard, like Jim Rome, like WFAN here in New York. 
Has it been good for you to try to reach that audience? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't uh, I don't think it's very useful just to preach to the choir. Um, I think you need to try to reach out to people you might not normally run into in your day-to-day life who are outside of your usual circle of friends and coworkers who have just a different perspective and worldview. And I think that's how we grow as people. It's not just me reaching them, but also hearing from them. A lot of our listeners on this podcast are not in virus hotspots yet, uh, like we have here in New York. What would you say to them right now? Well, you have um, you have a, a moment. Um, you you have an opportunity here. Um, don't squander that time. Make use of it to prepare where we clearly did not. And what would that involve? I, I think really taking the social distancing measures seriously before the virus hits, because once it hits, um, you know, the horse is out of the barn. Um, I know that's a cliche, but really it is. And so what you want to do is implement these things before the virus arrives. Um, And so I think there are a lot of communities who still have that window open to them. Um, Just to wrap up here, uh, right now in the U.S., we've got a president who is indicating that he may decide or want there to be less social distancing, uh, that he may even be following this herd immunity strategy that would actually involve much of the workforce going back to work uh, and isolating just older people and susceptible groups. And I'm wondering what you think about that and what you're looking for in the next week here in the U.S. Um, Well, the U.K. was entertaining a similar approach. Um, And then once they did some calculations and projections, realized how disastrous that would in fact be. I think the only way you could do that is to say, we're just going to shut down our hospitals and clinics for the next year or two. And if you get sick, you get sick. And if you die, you die. And that's really the reality of that. Um, But, you know, if if that's going to be the approach, then I think the healthcare system just needs to shut down and, and let itself play out. And I really think that would be a catastrophe, but, um, I don't see any other way to have that um, happen. Is it your opinion as an expert that that herd immunity strategy would likely result in millions of deaths in the United States? Yes, millions of people would die. On that note, uh, thank you again for everything you're doing. Thanks for coming on this podcast. Uh, Celine Gounder is an infectious disease doctor. She hosts the Epidemic Podcast. Where can we find that? Uh, if you go to epidemic.fm, you can find links to um, the podcast on Apple, Google, uh, as as well as Spotify. But you can find it pretty much on any, uh, your, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a really good podcast. I suggest you listen to it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
Big thanks to Dr. Celine Gounder. Next up is my interview with Weston McKenney. Our guest today is Weston McKenney, the American player who plays for Schalke in Germany. Wes, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And yourself? Doing okay, uh, all things considered, with all the stuff that's happening in the world right now. Uh, how are you holding up? Uh, well, luckily, I'm, I'm, I'm not the only American right now uh, on my team. I uh, got, got Nick Tadigui out here with me, so uh, we're practically quarantining ourselves together. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, Schalke has uh, delivered bikes to us, so we have workouts, so he ended up having his bike brought to my place. So we work out together, run together, and got my two dogs to live out in the country practically here in Germany. So, yeah. It's uh, it's been okay. A lot of video games as well. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, just trying to stay stay isolated as much as possible, and and not going out in public, and and interacting with a lot of people as much as I I normally like to do that. But I got to put it on pause for right now. Yeah, totally understand. Uh, before I forget, let's talk a little bit about what you announced here on Saturday. Uh, we're recording this. Uh, you announced with Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams. What are you guys doing? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we kind of put our heads together and, and, you know, we wanted to help out uh, with the current situation. Um, even though we are over here in, in Europe, uh, we definitely pay attention to how uh, this coronavirus is affecting uh, America. So, I mean, we, we partnered up and teamed up with Feeding America and, and We've uh, decided to donate uh, together in, 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 in terms of helping people uh, get food that they need uh, because, you know, food has been a struggle as well and hunger has been a struggle in America uh, for a long time, a long period of time now. And, and, you know, with the coronavirus and the effects that it has on people losing their jobs and, and, uh, and people not being able to go out in public um, I think the the donation that we have towards them can uh, definitely benefit with uh, helping getting people food that they need. So where can people go? Where I mean, Fe Feeding America has a bunch of food banks and, and soup kitchens and and all of that all around uh, all around America. So um, it's pretty pretty easy access, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And and as far as you know, donating wise. Uh, you know, we, we posted it. It's, it's on our Instagram, our social medias. They could click the links in our, in our bios for the people that are willing to help because, you know, in situations like these, I think, uh, you know, that's one thing that makes America uh, such a powerful country because, you know, we come together in times like this and then that's what makes a, you know, and big, big crisis that we've suffered in the past, 9-11 and, and, and such of things like that we've all come together and overcome it somehow. So I think, you know, right now is another time and, and a big, big effect this uh, virus is having is a time to come together. So, you know, every penny, penny helps and, and everything that people do uh, right now to, to help the person next to them uh, also while isolating themselves is, is uh, beneficial. Well, as a fellow American, I just want to say thanks for, for what you and, and, those other guys are doing and uh, I hope people 
donate. Uh, you mentioned you're with Nick Tidegui right now. Uh, obviously, you're in contact with Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams. How are you communicating with those guys? Uh, we we barbecue on the weekends. So no, I'm just <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we uh, <laughs> like I said, we isolate ourselves. But you know, over the phone, Tyler's out in Leipzig and, and Christian's in London. So uh, we have house party, we have Facetime, we text, we have Snapchat. So we uh, we have online video games that you know we talk through the microphone with so we definitely keep in contact uh in many different ways uh possible <laughs> got it um so what are you doing it's kind of a basic question but for your own food right now um so i think um right now i've I'm not a big cooker myself. I have a, a person that comes over and, and, you know, it's something that I've, I've been doing, you know, cause my, my biggest thing was my eating habits. Mm-hmm. And so I have a, a person that comes over and cooks uh, for me mm-hmm. and, you know, healthy dishes and, and, you know, stuff to, that, that works for my body and to help mi- minimize my injuries as well. Um, so as of right now, he still comes over in this time. Uh, Schalke is, is, I think, partnering up with, with, uh, his company to help get food to all the players as well. Uh, because like I said, we're trying to stay isolated as possible. And, and that also includes trying to avoid shopping centers and, and trying to avoid going to the grocery stores. And so it's, it's difficult also to, to go out because you second guess yourself. You're like, oh, I'm going to go to the store real quick or I need to put gas in my car and, you know, things that you never did before, like put gloves on to pump your, your gas and, you know, go to the store and put your shirt over your nose and, and walk around and try to minimize touching everything. Uh, it's definitely, definitely hard and, and something I think many of us have never experienced before, so... Uh, but yeah, that, that's what I'm doing so far. When was your last training session? Ooh, I think actually Friday before, before the co yeah, Friday before the Derby, we were supposed to play on Saturday and, uh, and Friday was our last training, uh, as, as, as a team. I mean, I train individually, of course, um, we have our runs, we have our programs that we have to do. And, you know, our workout. So I, I do that every day just to stay fit because we never know when when the season might start up or if it will start up again. So it's kind of uh, a situation right now. You always have to be prepared. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, in terms of the actual workouts by yourself that they're having you do, what are some of the specifics on, on what you're doing in those? Um, so, like... Uh, endurance of course is one of them you know we we have to run every day practically tomorrow will be an off day um so today i ran you know four times four minutes of intensive running uh with 10 minute warm-up and so they try and calculate where we run about 35 40 45 minutes a day Mm -hmm. um and then the workouts we have you know some of the equipments that some guys were able to take from the training ground to take home uh, and, and they also delivered equipment that we needed. So for me, I, I had most of this equipment here. I just needed a, a, a bike, a cycling bike, a stationary bike to, to have at home that I can use as well. So they delivered that. And yeah, I mean, they send, they send the programs out. Of course, I, I do my own thing practically 
you know, with, with my upper body strengthening, my legs, my core. So just it's one of those things now you kind of have to get creative a bit. So it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, my wife ordered us a rowing machine 10 days ago. So we've got that set up in our New York City apartment here. And I'm just trying to stay fit. I'm not a pro athlete, though. And that's why it's it's got to be crazy. Are you doing these workouts like in a park or, or near your house? or? Uh, so in, in my garage, I have like a, a power rack in, mm-hmm. in my garage. So uh, I can do bench press, squats, pull-ups, dips. Um, I have kettlebells in there. Uh, in my living room, I have my my yoga mats and and my you know dumbbells and my treadmills and my and bikes and stuff in my living room. So it's uh, I guess you could say it's a bit crowded right now. Uh, <laughs> turning my living room practically to my home gym, um, <laughs> but. Yeah, it's like I said, just trying to stay isolated. I go in my backyard as well. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I have ropes uh, with me also that, that I took from Shalika. So it's definitely, like I said, everyone, I think everyone right now is getting creative to, to what they can do. And everyone's avoiding the gym, and which is, which is good because that's a, also a high-risk place to, to pass on the virus. So, yeah, it's just a creative process. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, was it, I, I obviously everyone's health is so much more important than soccer right now, but like to have you know, this very big game, this big Derby game get canceled right before you were about to play in it, what was that like to go through? Um, honestly, I, I think many of us were, I don't want it to, to, to come off wrong, but we're happy mm-hmm. that it happened because, you know, as a player and of such a big game like the Derby, you know, to play it without fans would be, would be almost, I don't know, would be undescribable. Yeah. <laughs> Practically like it's a, it's a game that is one of the biggest in Germany's and one of the biggest derbies around the world. So, I mean, to play without the fans would be pretty, pretty crazy, I think. And many of the guys weren't, weren't, I mean, of course, we were still up to the task and we were willing and we were going to go out there and, and, you know, play the game how we did. And maybe it could have benefited us in a way because we were playing in Dortmund. But still, I think, you know, to, to not be able to have the fans there, to have a ghost game would be, uh, would be really, really, really weird. So I think many of us were a little bit happy at the same time, but not happy that it's, you know, come to this point where it is right now. No, that makes sense. I mean, for a while there, it seemed like the leagues around Europe were going to try and play through it with empty stadiums. And then it started to become clear that, you know, the athletes were being put at risk to have such close interaction with other athletes on the field. Yeah. I did. Did that enter your mind as well of like even just playing in an empty stadium is a a health risk for you? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of the things you have to think like you're playing at an empty stadium, but you know the fans are especially here you've been here yourself, the fans are live soccer. So, it's one of those things okay, you can empty the stadium, but there's still going to be big gatherings around the the city, you know, to watch the game. So, it's it's one of those things like it doesn't matter if you close the stadium or not, like people are still going to be in contact with each other. And as far as the players, I mean, 
it's one of those things you, you're just like, oh, like, okay, it's an empty stadium. You know, the risk is really low. But then whenever you, you know, think deeply, you say, okay, well, I don't know where that player has been. I don't know where he's been in contact with and, and who he's around. Like, if he has it. And the, the tricky thing about it is some players don't even show symptoms of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's – it was a little. It was a bit crazy, and then I think that's one of the reasons why we the seasons not season, but the league has stopped so far because I think it would be too much of a hassle to, you know, say we're we're playing behind closed doors, and then one player gets it on uh, on Dortmund, and then the whole team has to be quarantined. Then it's like, okay, well, we can't. This team can't play this weekend, but these two can. So mm-hmm. I think uh, it was it was a smarter decision to to sh- stop the leagues right now. Do you know if there are any cases of coronavirus at the club, your club? Uh, as of right now, no, there, there, there hasn't been any, um, and hopefully there, there won't be. Um, like I said, we're doing the best we can to stay isolated from each other. And so, um, yeah, as of right now, there, there hasn't been any, any cases uh, at the club. Now, you mentioned Dortmund, uh, rival club, but also close in, in proximity location-wise to where you live. There's an American, Giovanni Reina, who plays for Dortmund. Uh, have you had a chance to to meet him or communicate with him recently? Um, yeah, actually, we, we're part of the same uh, agency, Wasserman. So um, we've definitely linked before. We uh, actually, Richard Motzkin and, and David Muller out here. Uh, a couple weeks ago and we uh, all sat down had dinner before this whole corona thing took over kind of mm-hmm. um yeah i mean I've, I've always i told him and and he knows i think as well that if he ever needs uh anyone to hang out with or just wants to come over and chill like he's more than welcome obviously right now in the circumstances it's a little bit hard to do such a thing but it, I, I understand where he's at right now because, you know, Dortmund, he lives on the facility, like in, in the complex and all the kids practically have gone home there. So he's he's practically all alone by himself, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Well, he's a teenager, too. Yeah. So he's in a different life stage. Exactly. So it's it's definitely I mean, I can imagine it's hard for him right now because I don't know what I'd be doing right now if you know Nick wasn't here with me. So <laughs> And definitely be be harder than what it is. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, we've talked about how soccer, in the grand scheme of things, isn't that big a deal right now. But while we're here, I wanted to ask you just sort of about your season uh, and, and how you viewed it as Schalke or at Schalke. Um, yeah, I mean, we came. I think Schalke in general, like we we came out the gates running. Uh, we we came out and 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 you know. I guess shock people because you wouldn't expect. I mean, Schalke is a team that normally should be top top five, top four, you know. Anyways, so I think it was a shock just from the last season that we had fighting relegation to come out and finish, you know, the first half of the season uh, up there in in the Europe. I guess you can say Europe qualifications uh, rankings. Mm-hmm. So I think. It was good. It's been good so far. Uh, these past games have been pretty difficult for us, though, and we're in a difficult phase. So, I mean, as much as I don't want to say it, maybe the current situation that we're in right now could have also been beneficial as well, maybe. Uh, depends on how you look at it. Um, 
you know, we, we take a break and, and, you know, clear our heads, come back and, and hopefully the season starts up soon. And, and hopefully this, this whole thing is, is over soon and we can get back in and concentrate. Everyone has a clear head and, and everyone's, you know, eager to, to play and, and eager to get back on the field. So I think that that could also be, you know, a beneficial part of the, of the whole situation right now. You try to, I try to always look at the positive things that come out of situations like this right now. So that's the, the positive thing that I can see out of it. You had a great goal recently, uh, which was the first time you'd scored in a while in the Bundesliga. Was it get, good to get back on the score sheet? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it was actually really funny. Um, my, uh, my physio, me and him were talking, uh, you know, that same day actually while I was uh, getting a massage and, and I was talking to him and he said, I think you're going to score today. And I was like, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself, like I haven't scored since like, uh, you know, I don't know how long ago, <laughs> since, like 2018. And I've scored two goals and they were both in the same week. So <laughs> it's been pretty far. <laughs> so, but then I, I also, for some reason, had a weird feeling about it too. I was like, okay, I think I'm going to score today. Like, let's do it. And we, and we told each other before the game, like, okay, like we'll do this celebration if you score. And sure enough, <laughs> I scored and we ended up doing the celebration. And, and uh, yeah, so we might have to have that talk some more before the game. <laughs> uh, you've had a new coach this season, David Wagner, uh, a guy who played for the U.S. men's national team back in the day. Uh, what's that been like? What have you learned about him? Um, it's been really good, honestly. Um, I've had the, the, the I guess, luckiness um, when it comes to coaches. Uh, I think I have a good connection with him as well. Um, like I had a good connection with uh, Domenico Tedesco in the past. Mm -hmm. um he's he's one of those coaches he can relate a little bit more he's a little bit different than Tedesco in a way that Tedesco didn't play at the professional level and 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 you know David Wagner now has played you know so he's practically been there done it he knows like when a when a player he can tell when a player's body is tired he can tell you know when when you know we might need a break or might need a day off or something like that and he's he's very easy to talk to as well um, many, many people probably think that me and him speak in English, but you know, we speak in German, which huh. is, uh, pretty interesting for me as well. <laughs> I would have assumed that we would have spoke English, but, um, yeah, we, we go back and forth and, and we, we, uh, we talk often, um, whether that's, you know, how I can be better on the field or how I can be better off the field or if I'm doing good or if, you know, I need to pick it up and, that's one of the things I really like about him. He's, he's straight into the point about it. He doesn't try and sugarcoat or, you know, find back doors to, you know, give you a reason of why you're not doing this or why you're not playing or something. He's straight into the point like, Hey, you're not performing. That's why you're not playing or Hey, you're doing very well. Like keep it up. So that's um, definitely a, a beneficial thing about him. You know, you were supposed to get together with the U.S. men's national team later this month for the first FIFA window in a while. Those games obviously have been canceled. Um, how tough is that to, to not be able to, to play with your national team teammates for so long? Honestly, it was, it was, it was a pretty crappy situation because I was thinking to myself, like, the 
first camp we have in Europe in such a long time where I don't have to travel like 10 hours. Uh-huh. Uh, it's canceled. So. Um, no, but it's, it's definitely, um, you know, we, we all keep in contact as well uh, over gaming platforms, uh, Fortnite and then Call of Duty. So, you know, we're all looking forward to seeing each other again. And many of the guys we haven't seen since, like you said, the last international break, which has been a while. Um, so it was, it was devastating as well. You know, we had two good games, the Netherlands and Wales and really looking forward to it. But, um, yeah, with the, with the current situation, you kind of got to take it on the chin and, and, you know, just look forward to the next thing. So hopefully, like I said, it'd be amazing if, if this whole thing could clear up by summer and then, you know, we could play qualifying and then, and, and, you know, hopefully qualify also, also for the Olympics and, and have that also in the summer, but, you know, take it day by day as of right now and, and see, you know, what, what happens. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's looking, they already canceled the Olympic qualifying tournament and obviously you wouldn't have been able to be a part of that. But, um, if the U S had qualified for the Olympics, you're age eligible, right? So like if, if the Olympics happen, if they happen later on, is that something you'd be interested in being a part of? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. It's, 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 um, it's for soccer players as well. I mean, and, and like you said, my age, uh, it would literally be once in a lifetime experience. So <laughs> I definitely would, uh, would seize that opportunity and, and, and go over there and get to experience, you know, the, the whole Olympic setup and, and, you know, you watch it as a kid. And you see the events, of course, I, I didn't watch sports really. And I, I don't watch sports really, but mm. there's something about it, you know, track and field that, that makes it, you know, exciting and fun to watch. So that had been pretty cool to, to be there and see that as well. That's sort of a fascinating statement. You don't watch sports. Is that, that's accurate? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's accurate. <laughs> I, I, I know people have different ways they approach things, you know, like whenever I've talked to Tyler Adams, he's like obsessed with like watching other soccer games, but that's, but not everyone looks at it that way. It sounds like. No, there's people that record soccer games on the weekend to rewatch them. And I'm the person that records movies to rewatch them. So <laughs> I'm, I'm got 258 movies in my library. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm set. <laughs> oh, shoot. Now, I mean, looking toward the end of the year, God willing, we're going to have soccer again. God willing, this virus has been taken care of. Uh, World Cup qualifying. With, there's supposed to be six World Cup qualifiers uh, toward the end of 2020 uh, in a very relative short period of time. Like, are you like, when you think about that and that opportunity, could that be a way for the public, the American public to really get a sense that the U S men's national team is back. Yeah, I think, I think, yes. Um, you know, with the, with the devastating situation that happened uh, in the previous world cup, um, obviously I think many Americans and then many people are looking forward to seeing how we do in qualifying, um, and to see what this, this new group is about. Um, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't, I guess people, people don't really look at the, the, 
the friendly games that we play and, and say like, okay, this is a team, this is blah, 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 this is, you know, for sure. Or they just say, oh, it's just a friendly game. Let's see how it is in qualifying. So it's definitely um, something that could uh, help ease the mind, I guess, of, of the U.S. soccer supporters. And, and that's something that, you know, obviously – we, we try and do the best that we can with, with every game that we, uh, every game that we play. And sometimes you get unlucky, but I think, uh, if we could, you know, definitely, uh, like you said, God willing, this virus is over and, and, you know, we are able to play soccer again. Then I think that's something that all of us are really, really looking forward to. I think, you know, some of the players, even the ones that weren't involved, uh, such as myself still have a, a better taste in our mouth about it. So, definitely have something to, to show uh, this next one. He is Weston McKenney. He is working with Christian Polisic and Tyler Adams to uh, donate their own money, but also ask the rest of you to donate uh, to Feeding America. That's at feedingamerica.org. You can also find a link on their social media channels. Wes, thanks so much for taking the time to talk and be safe over there. Thank you. Appreciate it. And, and you too. And, and to everyone that's listening, uh, try and stay isolated and, and stay home and, and stay, stay safe and stay healthy. So yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the planet football podcast. I'd like to thank Dr. Celine Gounder and Weston McKenney, as well as producer Harry Swartout and everyone at sports illustrated who supports this podcast. Remember, if you like the podcast, it would really help us out if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review, and we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. Be safe, everyone, and see you next time.